1: Thanks so much for tuning in to Tech Vibe Radio tonight here on KDKA 1020 AM. This is Jonathan Kirsting, and I'm from the Pittsburgh Technology Council, my usual co-host and boss and the CEO of the Pittsburgh Tech Council, Audrey Russo. She's not here tonight, so I am uh, kind of flying this plane all by myself, and we're having a good time. And uh, we just got off uh, talking to uh, Heather Knight, and now we're going to talk to Jessica Jackley. And uh, she is the founder of Kiva. She's done so many things. I can't even keep track of it. I don't know how she gets everything done in 24 hours. I'm starting to think maybe she lives on with a 25-hour day of some kind. Somehow she's able to bend the laws of physics and and make it work. But she's a Pittsburgh native, and uh, she lives out on the West Coast now. And as a founder of Kiva... She's helped bring a lot of money to uh, folks who are trying to start micro companies, small companies all around the world. It's, it's been really a transformative thing, and it was the first crowdfunding of its kind. So uh, this is what she had to say. You know, take a listen, and I think you'll learn a lot. And uh, she's definitely doing Pittsburgh proud. Like that. All right. So we're talking to Jessica, Jessica Jackley, who's an entrepreneur, and an investor. I, I, so many things that you do, I don't even know what to call you as far as a title goes, but you are a Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh native, not always in Pittsburgh all the time anymore because of all the things that you do, but you're back in Pittsburgh and you took the time to talk to us here on Tech Vibe Radio and we're so glad about that. So we'll Jessica Jackley, introduce yourself, tell us about some of the things you've done when it comes to Kiva, uh, I mean, everything, so just start with that.
0: Thank you for having me. Um, I am an entrepreneur, that's the one word answer. And I think over the last decade, most of my work has been kind of in the sharing economy focused on crowdfunding. It's I, I, I laugh because we didn't use language like cl- crowdfunding 10 years ago when we were starting Kiva. My co-founder and I, but the idea was to provide a way, you know, it turned out to be the first platform like it, like of its kind, but to provide a way for people to lend little small amounts of money, $25 or more to specific individuals that needed a small loan, often in the developing world, but it's at this point spread so so much. So that's one piece of what I've done. I also did another startup called Profounder that focused on um, US-based small businesses and provided a sort of (laughs) do-it-yourself crowd and community funding platform for those entrepreneurs. Um, That was sort of during the three years right up to the JOBS Act, which is its own conversation in and of itself. (laughs) And then after that, I worked with the collaborative fund and was a venture partner there and investing in, again, these sharing economy companies. And by the way, should I just divert? I can divert divert, now. Divert, divert. Divert. Okay, so... If you're if you're hearing sharing economy and you're like what is that it sounds touchy feely whatever this is a way to think about it think about um, a sort of th- th- think of old school <laughs> laundromats and libraries how you know we kind of share assets and resources think about how you can do that now peer to peer utilizing technology you can do things and obviously and share resources in ways we haven't before not just share but rent barter etc so think about um, You know, the Airbnbs of the world, for better and for worse, right? Uh, The rideshare companies, things like that. That's sort of what I mean when I talk about that. And crowdfunding is a huge part of it as well. And then last but not least, not to like ramble here. Yeah, over the last few years, I worked on a book called Clay, Water, Brick, finding inspiration from entrepreneurs who do the most with Least, And that sort of chronicles my journey over the last decade as an entrepreneur. Which was an unexpected path for me and also highlights the journeys of others that have inspired me and taught me really important things along the way, but not your typical sort of uh, usual suspects that are often in business books. I mean, the, the, the book is named after a brick maker, there's a rickshaw driver, a goat herder. I mean, really simple entrepreneurs that had great wisdom that I needed to learn along the journey.
1: That is so cool. Now, I'm thinking back to 2005 and... Being the first out when it comes to you know crowdsourcing crowdfunding things, what was the inspiration? Where did this come from? Obviously, you have this really unique interest? What, what what inspired this and kind of got you going to do the things that you're doing now? I just find it so interesting and so cool.
0: Yes, thank you. Well I am um, I think I can summarize it this way. I had heard one particular kind of story about poverty growing up, and it was a story focused on suffering and sadness and need and um, lack and brokenness. And I, I felt like, I felt frustrated by that, and I certainly got involved and, you know, donated and volunteered, but I felt like my, quote-unquote here, air quotes, can't see on the radio, but uh, my relationship with the poor was one in which I sort of continually distanced myself. I would hear a sad story. I would throw money at it, um, you know, just small donations to well-intentioned organizations, nonprofits. But then I would feel separated. Now, fast forward, when I... I graduated college without much of a plan. <laughs> I would studied philosophy and poetry, not business, not entrepreneurship. I really wasn't interested that mo- at that moment.
1: That was probably your best move.
0: Yeah, right? I know. I know, man. Um, liberal, liberal arts, yay. But I, I remember I heard a new story um, a few years out from Dr. Muhammad Yunus, founder of the Grameen Bank and 2006, winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. But this was three years before he would win for his pioneering work in modern microfinance. But I heard a new story about poverty and potential and entrepreneurship. And I suddenly, because he talked about his own work, I suddenly saw that perhaps the poor were not just, they didn't have this single-sided story, perhaps they could be entrepreneurial as well. And that was game-changing, not just for how I felt in relationship to them, but in terms of what my own story could be. If, they were, if their story was different, then so could mine be. So I decided to go see for myself, went and worked for a few months in East Africa, and then it was there that I sort of started to have the idea for Kiva.
1: That is so cool. And the idea that the timing of that was so perfect as the technology would permit that to happen. So, you know, 10 years earlier, a couple years earlier, it just wouldn't have quite worked out. And your timing was like spot on. How cool is that?
0: (laughs) That, It's really cool, especially in retrospect. It's funny. I do remember in the beginning, um, you know, I just come fresh from the field from three and a half months in Kenya and Uganda and Tanzania. And like my mobile, my, my cell phone worked everywhere. And There was internet connectivity all over the place. And there were issues, too. You know, there were dial-up connections. Sometimes electricity wasn't flowing. But, like, the stars could align, and you could actually be ridiculously connected, even to somebody living miles from, um, you know, a city center in a mud hut somewhere. They could talk on the cell phone. They might even have a phone themselves. So... I remember trying to bring that reality back to Silicon Valley and try to convince would-be investors in Kiva, or, you know, donors to Kiva, lenders to Kiva, um, et cetera, that this was really the world today. This was possible. And it was tough to sell that message, even though that was, yeah, it was right on the, right at, right on that cusp, right at that moment when things had started to shift pretty drastically.
1: That is amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. So what are your thoughts on crowdsourcing crowdfunding like this is just the beginning obviously you mean this is the blink of an eye it's just beginning what are you thinking about now what is the next move how can you make this bigger and better and reach even more people
0: I mean I get excited about this option being more mainstream more of course you could crowdfund more more of in in not 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 so much a non-traditional new crazy thing I think it's already starting to become that for um, folks that need to rally those resources for a project or an idea or an actual business um, notably, you know, I just saw a press release yesterday that the SEC is finally, three and a half years after the Jobs Act passed, going to finalize some of the rules that will that'll be game changing. It's, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But ProFounder, my second company, we started to sort of, as I, as I said, create this do-it-yourself set of tools for people to crowdfund and community fund, right, reach out to their friends and family and beyond, um, utilizing existing legal infrastructure but it was still so complicated that when we saw the jobs act sort of become a a twinkle in the eye of legislators we put all our eggs into that basket and my i was actually like super pregnant with my twin boys but uh my my co-founder flew back and forth to washington a few times to lobby congress and to testify in front of congress more accurately to talk about this so look legislation is 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 coming about and it's actually a really exciting moment in time post jobs act um on the 30th and i think mainstream culture is changing and becoming a lot more comfortable with and accepting of this as an option. So that's one big piece. The other big piece, though, is um, I love that, you know, this is my thing. I don't want to get in my soapbox (laughs) so preemptively here, but I'm going to do it. I really think these stories of entrepreneurship... Um, that we can be exposed to, uh, like the ones I talk about in my book and the ones that you can see on Kiva, not just of people living in very different places, but everyday people going through their entrepreneurial journeys, the good, the bad, the ugly, the difficult, you know, blood, sweat, and tears.
1: (laughs) I think the importance is also just showing these common stories. It's not about the big next huge tech startup, but just basic ways of doing businesses and getting them up and being self-sufficient.
0: Amen, brother. That's exactly right. Like being able to see an everyday person say, I have this idea. I see an opportunity. I'm going to go try to get it. I'm going to go try to pursue it. Seeing them, seeing that unfold in real time, I think that's just so ridiculously important to be, to understand and be very tolerant of the ups and downs and, you know, failures or as I like to look at them, just moments of learning and being surprised when your assumptions aren't quite what you thought they'd be. Um I love that those stories are out in the world more and more because we're all going to be, I, I hope, over time, much more comfortable with entrepreneurial endeavors, big and small.
1: That's what we need more of, especially here in Pittsburgh. Real quick, we got about a minute or so left. Obviously, you come back to Pittsburgh here and there. What are your thoughts on Pittsburgh as, as growing as, as an entrepreneurial center, as, as a tech center? We're, we're, we're not there by any means, but we're trying. What are your thoughts on that?
0: No, I would, I would actually give Pittsburgh a lot more credit. I mean, I think there are different versions of being the center of things, right? Different. Um, Styles, different, uh, different kinds of communities, and we need all of them. I love seeing the changes that I've, that I've seen over the years unfold in Pittsburgh. I wish I could spend more and more time here. Um, we wish you would, too. Yeah. All right. It's done. Did my mom put you up to this?
1: <laughs> no. This is all my own volition.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, we're here pretty frequently. I drag the kids. I drag my husband, and we, we, we are here for good chunks of time. So I'm excited to continue to get more and more plugged in.
1: For sure. Now, people want to learn more about you your book where can they go and and check you all
0: out my name is just jessicajackley.com has a bunch of stuff on it my the the book has a website too claywaterbrick.com um and also twitter follow me on twitter it's not you know i i warn you you will see kid pictures and stuff too but i also do some updates on my work so (laughs) those are good places
1: your kids are your work too man (laughs) awesome stuff thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today
0: thank you so much
1: So there you have it, Jessica Jackley. What a great person! It was such an honor to meet her and and learn a little bit. I wish I had like three times the amount of time to talk to her, as there was so much to to, to get around, as you could tell from that from that conversation. And now we're taking a quick break, but we are coming right back. We're gonna to talk to Globo next. Uh, this has been Jonathan Kirsten with the Pittsburgh Technology Council. You can learn more about us at pghtech.org or follow us on Twitter at, at pghtech. We just love helping tech companies succeed, and the Tech Council has been doing that since 1983. We are dead serious about it. We love it. We'll be right back after this quick break.